0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. I'm here. This is my podcast, WTF. How's it going? Ooh, man. I am uh, I'm still in London and what a few days it's been. I haven't talked to you since what? Last Thursday, and I recorded that on the day before. So I was just I just got here. I was hallucinating. I don't think I'm still hallucinating, but. When you're in a different country, different side of the street, different uh, personal products, different cereals, different people, they are different, Uh, we're all people, but uh, the Brits and the tone of the city and the culture is different. It does feel like a bit of a hallucination, but it's not, I'm here, I'm eating things, I'm engaging with people, with audiences, I'll tell you about it in a second. Oh, by the way, Vincent D'Onofrio is on the show today. Always respected that guy. Love him as an actor. Seems like an intense guy. He was an intense guy. And it was uh, great talking to him. So that's coming up when I'm teasing my own show. That You'll hear that in a minute if you hang out for this. I got tour dates. So you may want to hang out for that. You might want to hang out for that. I got tour dates. It's happening. And holy fuck. I don't. I don't think I even realized the number of dates I was going to be doing, but I'm doing them. All right. So I'm going to read them off to you. Just sort of like, so you can hear if your city is mentioned, then maybe it'll inspire you to go pursue tickets. August 9th in Portland, Oregon at Revolution Hall, August 22nd in Dallas, Texas at the Majestic Theater, August 23rd in Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater, August 24th in Houston at the Cullen Theater at Wortham Center, September 6th in Vancouver at the Vogue again. September 7th in Seattle at the Moore Theater. September 20th in Chicago at the Vic. September 21st in Detroit at the Masonic Temple. September 22nd in Minneapolis at the Pantages. October 10th in Philadelphia at the Miriam Theater. October 11th in Washington, D.C. at the Kennedy Center Concert Hall. Wow, that's that's big. October 12th in Boston at the Schubert Theater. And I'm going to be shooting a special there that night. So there'll be two shows there, October 18th in Nashville at the James K Polk Theater, October 19th in Atlanta at the Tabernacle and October 26th in San Francisco at the Masonic. There will be a fan presale for tickets this Wednesday, April 10th at 10 a.m. to uh, Thursday, April 11th at 10 p.m. Just go to the venue websites and use the password Buster, the official on sale date for all venues is this Friday, April 12th, except for the Kennedy Center, that's on sale April 19th. A lot of information, but uh, come this week, you can always go to wtfpod.com slash tour for more info on all these dates and venues, and I would assume the links to the tickets, okay? Wow, man, that's, good. that's a lot of work. Why didn't I realize that? Why, where was I when, when I booked these things? I was just, I guess, on the phone, Maybe cooking something, going, uh uh-huh, yeah. Okay, sure, yeah, D.C.'s good. Detroit, I haven't been there in forever. Okay, yeah, all right, sure. Houston, oh okay, yeah. Dallas, I don't know. I don't know, I don't feel like I got people in Dallas. Okay, yeah, all right. That's how that works. And now uh, looking at it all, almost as if it were a poem on this page, Uh, a lot of dates and God knows, by boston by october 12th i should have a a, a very tight <laughs> very well grooved very uh together hour and 15 minutes of material for a netflix special that's for fucking sure okay how's it going everybody all right so since i've last talked to you i've done a show in uh salford which is within manchester despite the fact that right at the beginning of the show when I said uh, I'm glad to be in Manchester, or whatever version of that I said, some guy went Salford, and there was a, a bit of an argument. But apparently, here, I guess not unlike other places, there are uh, kind of regional uh, battles that are, you know, separated by streets, perhaps. But uh, you know, it, it added texture to the show. We did a lot of riffing. It was a uh, I'd never been to Manchester. Uh, I I get the sense, and and I know this is sort of a hackneyed you know piece of information, but I do believe that uh, Manchester might be the birthplace of sad rain. I I think that uh, rain was just rain, and it didn't it didn't imply much previous to appearing in Manchester, but uh, over time, uh, it, it it took on an emotional tone of its own. So I was in the birthplace of sad rain, and apparently soccer or football, as they say here and uh, knew nothing about it, but it seems to be woven into the culture in such a deep way that uh, I felt like I should know something about it, but I did not do any research. Didn't do any research on soccer or football, did not do any research on Brexit, because I found that uh, though I was a little panicked coming into this about not knowing anything about Brexit, it turns out that neither do the people here. A lot of confusion, they don't want to talk about it, no problem. I can talk about our our country's slow drift to a sort of evangelical authoritarianism and complete capitalistic chaos uh, managed by a judiciary that uh, will sink this entire operation. Just my opinion, but, uh, you know, good shows. I get there, I get to places, and it seems to me that, I, you know, if I want to go to a museum or something, I'll do it, but I was tired, I was jet-lagged, as you knew from the last time, so I, I got up, I tried to find a place that had healthy food, I ended up in the basement of a Buddhist society or a Buddhist center in the middle of Manchester, and it was just this old style strange little wooden table, hippie joint that looked like it'd been there forever and it's very interesting about people is that the people working at the Buddhist center, which was sort of a you know it was a it was a paid gig i mean it's a you buy the food but it had a sort of um kind of communal uh health food uh vibe to it and it's just it's interesting the people that gravitate towards maybe buddhism or the buddhist center or whatever you think that might be uh when you when you go there and you see them you're like okay all right yeah i think you you kind of need to be here don't you you need to be here look it seems to me that contemporary buddhism or whatever that is and i'm not i don't know much about it but it's one of those options where, you know, the wheels have really got to come off, man. And, you know, and if Jesus was driving that train, it didn't work out. So you needed something simple. You needed something basic. You needed something that was pretty much uh, not confrontive in terms of uh, deities. And, uh, and you just took your fragile self and you, you found a little place and you got a little peace. And now you're, you're serving me some quinoa and cabbage salad. And, and you know, God bless I, I'm glad you're doing okay. Take care of yourself. I worry about you. I've known you for 40 seconds. So after that, the day of the uh, the show, I decided to go get a shave because was. I just walked by a barber. They're around. They're around in the States. You figure everybody knows how to give a nice close shave, keep the stash, bring the soul patch back, get rid of the beard, don't need it. But this guy was uh, seemed a little tentative. Not a great experience, the tentative shave. That he, like, it literally felt like, he, he might have even said it when I said, do you do shaves? He's like, I, I can do it. I, yes, I, I can do this. I, yeah, yeah, uh, yes, yes, uh, yeah, we do shaves. Um, and he, he did it. He was very precise, but it was not comfortable. It was not, usually you re- relax into the ritual. You trust the guy. You, you get nice hot cream on your face. You get a hot towel. There's a sort of a meditation calm to it. It's another form of Buddhism, I guess. Not really, but you do surrender and you relax. But not so much this guy. He was doing it in small patches. He put little dabs of cream on, and he was right up on my face, doing it very carefully. To the point where I was very conscious of relaxing my face because I was afraid if I tightened my face, he would cut part of my face. Um, but I was, I was, you know, I was really cheering him on in, in my mind. I was like, "Come on, buddy, you can do this. I want you to have this experience." Uh, he was so proud that I think that he didn't cut me and that we didn't fuck up my sideburns or my mustache that he didn't give me the full sort of aftershave lotion treatment. And but he was you, you know, I, I felt like I helped him out. And and that's what being a person is all about. It's like here. I'll risk my own face for you to have, a, uh, you know, to, to have a new experience and get better at what you're doing. Uh, it's not the experience I wanted, but I hope I hope it went well for you. And I I think that's sort of a theme. I don't know. Then the show in Manchester was great. That uh, Lowry Theater was beautiful. Small, about 450, packed it out, but very intimate. And the acoustics were perfect. And I I love that feeling where you have that many people, but it can still be an intimate experience. And I think uh, everybody had a good time. I did do some press up there. It's been a shit ton of press here. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I don't think I've done as much press as I did on this trip in years, if ever. I did this show. You never really know what you're walking into, but I did this show called Loose Ends. And it and I wasn't really paying attention when they told me I knew it was a it was several people, you sit around, you talk. Uh you know, I I didn't think I knew the host. I and then the, the day of I'm like, "Wait a minute. That's the guy Clive Anderson is hosting this, the guy from Whose Line? I remember that guy and Mavis Staples. Mavis fucking Staples is on the show with me. And what what an honor that is. It was me, Mavis Staples, Judy Kramer who created the um Mamma Mia uh, musical and Anita Anand, who uh, this book she wrote sounds amazing. I I think it's called The Patient Assassin. She's a journalist and author here, and uh, she was great. But I'm sitting there with Mavis Staples at a table, and she's telling stories about singing for Martin Luther King, about Bob Dylan proposing to her, and just to meet her and tell her that I saw her years ago uh, at the Bottom Line when Pop Staples was still alive and John Hammond opened for them. She's like, "Oh, I remember that," and like. It's just sometimes it's this business is just very exciting and very it's just a powerful moment, man. I mean, she she's amazing. But what it takes for me to get excited about a show just because I'm so sure it's going to be awkward. I mean, I've played this place before. Royal Festival Hall is a big space meant for symphonies. Yeah. And I don't, I don't always remember exactly, I know the feeling I have when I do a space that seats over 1,800. Like if I'm in a space that seats from 1,500 to 3,000, I, I tend to, it's not that I get nervous, but it's like, will the vessel hold? Will the vessel I am occupying hold? It, you know, by the time I get to the venue, I'm like, oh my God. Not, not as bad as it used to be, but once I get on stage, I do the sound check, I'm like, okay, I remember this place. It's big, it's a symphony space. It's, it is what it is. And I know, man, I just know. You know, I get out there. I got my opener, this kid, Jack Barry. He's doing all right. I get out there and I'm like, I'm just being loose. And, I, and I'm like, I can make this space intimate. I can pull them in. I can do it. But it's weird, man. When you work in a space, is like there was about 1,900 people in there. And I'm on a stage that has, it's wide open because a symphony should fucking be sitting up there. And I'm doing what I do, but like the the it's hard to get on a roll. You know, I'm I'm connecting, but it's like I don't feel it coming back as much as I'd like it to. I know that in a bigger space, the tighter the bit, the better it's going to be, because then it can just land, and you you know, you can you know, people know where it ends, they know what the punchline is, and sometimes I like to sort of noodle around a little bit. I like to improvise, but I have to accept that. I, I think I have to accept that's how I do shit. And they're digging it, you know, but I'm not feeling the connection as much as I like because the fucking room is so big and it wants a symphony in it. It doesn't want just me sitting up there on a stool in the middle of where there should be a full orchestra. The space doesn't want it. It's fighting me. And I feel that after every bit, after every arc, I, there's a moment where I'm like, look, I'm just this little guy. I'm just, I'm just sitting on the stage. And there's that moment where it's sort of like, you know, the difference between performing and just being you. Like, I feel that when I'm sitting up there in a symphony space between jokes, I'm like, the bottom could fall out here. I could just be a guy talking, uh, you know, to myself on stage here in front of people. Like I could just feel that there was such a fine line between getting laughs and connecting in that way and just kind of being a guy sitting on a stage in front of 1900 people that's wide open and should have a symphony on it going, hey, uh. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I'm just up here by myself. I, you know, it's like it's weird. I'm up here by myself like that place. That place. Oh, I'm, I'm just up here by myself. Oh, I hope. I don't know. Is there any way I can get out of here? I have to get out of here. It like that was just right under it. And the show was great. And people liked it, but I it got to the point at the end, I'd done about an hour and 40 minutes and I was just, I just wanted to like, I set the mic aside. The acoustics were perfect. And I'm like, what do you guys need? We need to connect here. What are we doing? And they had you know, I got applause breaks and it was all, it was fucking fine. It was great. But in, in that moment, my own struggle was I'm up here all alone. Here's this thing. I'm going to do this. Here we go. We're talking like this. Oh, look, you all like it. Oh God. I'm, I'm still by myself up here. So I sought out at the end to just really connect. And I, you know, I, I took a couple questions. I improvised through a few things, through a few questions. It, it killed. It was beautiful. It was a real connection. And, and I closed on this weird thing. Some weird dude in the audience goes, uh, why do you have witch hands? And I'm like, witch hands? And somehow or another, I physicalized witch hands and I cast a spell of love on the entire audience and I threw a bad one right at him. And it just got this huge laugh. And I closed on what was essentially a improvisation on which hands. And that was like a high point like that, you know, after almost two hours up there, I'm like, Oh, thank God for which hands. Whew. So tonight I go to Birmingham, uh, England. If you, if you, if you haven't gotten tickets and you're hearing this, I think there's a couple left. um, what else? I want to thank the the British audiences. Just tremendous, uh, great people, and and great time. And I'm very grateful uh, that they came out and experienced that. We connected, we engaged. So now, Vincent D'Onofrio, I had to remind him that uh, we met before, and he kind of remembered meeting me. It was a it was a fairly traumatic event. Uh, he didn't quite remember it as specifically as I did, but it was interesting to bring it up. And it was great to meet him and talk to him. the The film he directed, called "The Kid," starring Ethan Hawke, Dane DeHaan, and Chris Pratt, is playing in select theaters. It's a western. It's a, a sort of like a, a kind of sweet western story. It, he inserted a coming of age tale into the you know the myth of Bill, Billy the Kid. He just sort of it was added in. I, I don't know that kid, Dane DeHaan. Man, he's something else. It, everyone, Chris Pratt. I didn't even know it was Chris Pratt. It was, anyways. But you know vincent from full metal jacket from the crime show he was on from some other i mean he's an intense dude from the player anyway this is me back in the garage talking to vincent D'Onofrio.
1: so you play i mean guitar a little bit yeah i mean a little bit i'm not that great a player but i do have more guitars than i deserve yeah, you too. But I think like we all do. Yeah. Do you buy you buy them though? I buy them. Yeah. So but got, I but I feel like I've ha- I haven't bought a guitar in many many years. Yeah. I feel like I have the guitars that I'm gonna have. And yeah. That's, and that's it now. I feel that way too. But like you know, sometimes like if like I said, if I can get them,
0: like I've got a few, a bunch upstairs that I've acquired over time. Like I've like Jay Maskus gave me uh, his signature Squire. You know, I don't play it much, but I like
1: having it. Yeah. I have a little Squire. You do? Yeah. You like it? It's, yeah, it's like a, I don't know, it's always, they always remind me of like a, uh, you know. Old-timey. Yeah, old-timey uh, uh, v- pop group. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Haircut
0: rock kind of, mm-hmm. like, you know, like old, da- yeah. but wait, do you live here? No, in New York. So, you know, I know where we met. It was a bad night. Was it? For you? You you
1: don't remember. Where do you think you met me? Oh, maybe we don't, maybe I don't remember. I was a friend of Janine Garofalo's. Yeah and she took me to a show yeah and you performed okay but was that the
0: show where i was attacked on stage yes so yeah that's a bad night isn't yeah. it yeah
1: i guess <laughs> i mean i didn't realize i didn't realize the extent of it right. how much control you really had of it though oh no well it was
0: kind of tripped out right so you were there i remember because it became sort of dreamlike cuz you yeah. were you you were just sort of there and i'm like that the guy's an actor you know, so it was like, is this real? Yeah, the guy lunged at me. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I was poking at him. Right, and you know, he jumped up and he he tackled me, and then a couple dudes got up there. Flanagan, who owned the place, and Dave Rath, the manager, they pulled him off me. Everyone. They, what was amazing is how quickly everyone dispersed. Yeah, in that moment. Yeah. You know who else was there? The uh, the guitar player and uh, uh, from Foreigner.
1: He oh, was, really? Yeah, he was, he was there too. Well, the this. people that were close to the stage yeah. moved out of there fairly quickly. Yeah. But we had great seats for the whole fight.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was really more of a wrestle. It wasn't like it was it wasn't well, even. A, I don't think the
0: guy was a fighter. He just had an emotional reaction because we stood each other off. I knew the one thing I knew as a performer was like, you know, number one, I'm the last act. And, and you know, I'm certainly not going to, you know, puss out. Right. Yeah, I'm going to have to take the hit, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, I'm in front of people. Right. And uh, and I took it, and then it got broken up, and then the, everyone went outside, and that's when I saw you. My shirt was ripped open a little bit, and, and he came around and apologized. It was a weird night. Exciting? Do you think it was part of
1: the show? Well, I didn't know the extent of it. Yeah. You know, because Janine... I don't. I haven't seen Janine for many years, but she doesn't. Um, she, doesn't talk, she doesn't talk for no reason. Jeanine. Yeah. She's you know she she like so I didn't really quite understand the whole deal of what was going on, and I think I was probably stoned. Yeah. And as well, and yeah. that didn't help. Yeah. And and I actually I actually do th- I actually thought you were funny.
0: Yeah, I was funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> was and that was the main thing. Oh, good. That's the memory you took yeah. away. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was what it was. I was doing a joke. I that, was a bouncer when I was a kid. So, oh, really? Like, that That wasn't like a big shocking thing right, to me. Right, right. It
0: wasn't was menacing,
1: like, right. No. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like a crime. Right, right. It didn't seem like a crime, It, it was or just anything. some drunken
0: bullshit. Y- yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, w- I was doing a joke that had suicide in it, and the guy got freaked out. And then, like, you know, and he, oh, he said wow. something like, you know, don't do jokes about suicide. Yes. And I was like, why? Did you just lose somebody? It was like a little callous, but like, why is he interrupting my show? <laughs> And like, you know, maybe I had it coming, but it turned out the fucker comes around and he, he, he hadn't, he hadn't lost anybody, but I think someone was depressed. He was feeling, yeah. I don't know. He popped. He, he was, popped, he, yeah. It
1: wasn't like, he wasn't a guy trying to prove anything. I just like, my tone Could got be and could always be the most righteous moment of his life. I
0: wonder. Yeah. I haven't heard from him. I've from, talked I, about it a couple of times.
1: I hope times. not. <laughs> you know, no. <laughs>
0: right, <laughs> right. But, but maybe he has good memories of it. Like, I stood up, and then we made amends, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I remember what what happened was outside, when everyone was outside, and, you know, I had walked outside, and people were trying, and then the guy pulled up. He left, and he pulled up in a car with his friends and got back out, and there was a sort of, like, hey, man. And I'm like, I'll deal with it. Big hero with 90 people behind me.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I, I worked it out. Where were you, a bouncer? At every... the the Studio 54 when I was very young at the back door and then um, how old how old were you like 18 you were at Studio 54 at the back door though not the front door with all the oh the back door so you saw a
0: lot of people bolting out to vomit and pass out where you
1: had to like the people were coming in from there too and and leaving there but yeah yeah, it wasn't like the whole scene in the front yeah but this was at the heyday yeah like in the 70s no no the the second time the second time all. okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) And then and then um, uh, uh, the Ritz. Oh yeah, on Eleventh Street. Yeah, for three and a half years. And really, the,
0: three and a half years. Yeah, just because you were a big boy. Yeah,
1: and did you have to? Did you get into yeah. shit? Yeah, like yeah, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you a fighter. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, not like it's not like something I you know look for. Yeah, yeah. you don't start shit. No, actually, but you you'll you'll, yeah. you'll 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 deal with it. I can deal with it pretty. I, I've always been able to deal with it pretty good, and I don't. Uh, I don't mind being punched. No, no. <laughs> but do you? That's but, like an important thing. I don't know that that's on the resume for bouncer. You know, like I, I well, mean, you, you should. be I okay. think you should know that going in. You're going to take a should be on the resume, right?
0: Yeah, but but you usually. But you have to transcend the punch and maintain order. Yeah, I always say this. Like, okay.
1: this is what I say. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Take your time. On like the other day I was on Twitter, yeah, and somebody asked me um how do I why do I handle how do I handle the trolls so well, right? Yeah. And I said because of this, if you can be hit multiple times in the face and the body, yeah, and not care about what it might be doing to your face or what it feels like yeah. and still main and still maintain focus, yeah, then trolls are nothing. Right.
0: <laughs> just, that's a philosophy of life. Yeah, get punched up until you can't see straight. Yeah, and
1: then uh, you maybe sit down. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I always thought that that was one of the. Th- I knew that the best the guys, the best fighters that that I knew, were, yeah. were that type of guy. And what, why do you get trolled
0: a lot? Are you doing what are you putting stuff? Because I am a liberal. Oh yeah, yes. I was, and you are vocal on Twitter, About, and they come at you. Yeah, just like that weird kind of like pile on of garbage people. Yes. <laughs> the garbage people pile on. Yeah. But uh, but did you grow up in New York?
1: Uh, no, I was uh, born in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. And then raised partially there, but then my parents got divorced and we moved to Florida. Well, sorry. To a small town called Hialeah, which is outside of Miami. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So I went to most of my schooling there, but I spent every summer with um, my family in Brooklyn. Yeah. My whole life. Like a, was it, so it was a big So it was sort of like, a, yeah. So I sort of, yeah, aunts and uncles. And yeah. you know, I lived in my grandfather's house. and so Big it, Italian family? Yes. Very, very, very Brooklyn Italian. Yeah. Really? Like old school? Food like very everywhere? old school, yeah. yeah. Some of them were like extreme racists. And, oh, yeah? But most of them were very, my, my grandfather had a lot of integrity. And his side of his family had a whole lot of integrity. He oh. was an upholsterer from, like he made his way to yeah. New York from Italy as yeah. an upholsterer oh wow and had a company in the whole deal oh yeah
0: so like yeah. couches chairs
1: yeah. whatever drapes everything.
0: did he have a, was he from italy yep wow so you like
1: like third generation kind of deal yeah and that was on your dad's side that was on my dad's side and my mom's side is from Napoli too they're both both sides of the family are from Napoli. but my mom's parents went to uh new york but yeah. then immediately went to hawaii Oh. And opened uh, the first Italian restaurant called Rocco's in Hawaii. In Honolulu? Mm-hmm. Really? That was smart. Very smart. And they, they lived there their whole life? Yeah, basically, my mom waitressed in his restaurant, and my dad was in the Air Force stationed in Hawaii, and that's how they met. Hawaii? Yeah. So you have like a childhood past in Hawaii? Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah, I went to part part of my elementary school there,
0: actually. Yeah, I think it does something to your brain to have that kind of space and you know that kind of uh, quiet. I think it programs you in a good way. I think yeah. you have a, a Hawaiian uh, sensibility deep
1: down. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> my uncle used to um, the the scammer uncle that I have. Which scam? He his first thing was he used to. Act like, he's an Italian kid, but he used to, he had long, brown, curly hair, so he kind of, he could could pass as a Hawaiian sort of, right? Yeah. Pug nose and the whole bit. Yeah. And he uh, used to, um, you know, get tourists tourists to pay him to climb palm trees and get coconuts. Oh, really? Yeah. He used to make a bundle. He was like- Like 10. That seems like an honest dollar. It's not quite a scam. I
0: mean, he's actually doing something. Yeah. Delivering the goods. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So, are you, do you have siblings too? sisters yeah oh really a bunch I had three now I have two. Oh, yeah. sorry it's okay but uh, when did you start doing the uh, like did you come with the acting thing but did you like was anyone in show business I mean no. how did you get him introduced to that? well my
1: dad was my dad used to do theater like community theater he was an the, actor yeah yeah and a director and uh and uh, uh you know he always belonged to a community theater in Florida in Florida like a little place, like old people would come and watch the shows? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and like, did they do like a children's show on the weekend? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah. no, they didn't do children's shows. They would do like melodramas. Oh, like just- uh, Like Dirty Work at the Crossroads and uh-huh. stuff like that, like uh-huh. bizarre little plays that were actually called melodramas, yeah.
0: Okay, so the it was primarily for the older people. It was a subscription yeah. thing. They,
1: and then they would do like, to be really artsy, they yeah. would do like-, like you know, view from the bridge, right. or you know, right, like right. Arthur Miller, you know, all that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And people will walk out like, I didn't understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and and they would do, um, yeah. uh, uh, the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, plays like that. Yeah. yeah. And you were you? Involved? My dad was always played. Always played the Rainmaker. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was the he Bert good? Lancaster part. Yeah. Was he good? He was good. Yeah. He was okay. I mean, yeah. I don't really remember the details, but. My parents were divorced, so I, I there was a lot of women that that he he could pull a lot of women playing on the rainmaker. Oh yeah, yeah. So that
0: was that his uh, his
1: drive it was disturbing for me, but he had a great time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are either of them around still? Yes, the folks,
1: they're both around. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> my, my dad's not the best of you know <laughs> mental. Oh really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the mental
0: thing's not great. Yeah. That. uh what is it like alzheimer's or something no
1: no i you know it would, it would be so yeah. much easier for all of us if he was but he's <laughs> bipolarish. yeah 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 do you feel like you got it yeah sure yeah. oh really yeah oh man I, I don't think
0: i have the i have a lot of anxiety and dread but i don't have the up and down thing you got the up yeah. and down thing
1: um i have more of like the the but but the the thing about these days is you can get it under control but sure. the spiral thing was big when i was young oh really it spiraled down into, into the darkness yeah Out of nowhere, yeah.
0: Wake up at the bottom of the hole,
1: yeah, and then come out the other end like you know a newborn bunny, yeah. You know, excited and then then heroic until the spiral starts again, (laughs) yeah, yeah. The the waves, peaks and valleys, yeah. But these days in my in my um, later adulthood, yeah, you know it's under control. Yeah, it's great under control. Relieved,
0: yeah. Were you one of those people that found? uh, Was it hard to,
1: to give it up? (laughs) <laughs> to give up the spirals. Well, the minute that I the the minute that I was truly convinced that it wasn't going to affect my art, mm-hmm. so to speak, yeah, I was totally into it. Yeah, what to, what did it take to convince you? The the actual uh, going through taking medication, going through uh, psycholo- uh, the, the whole psychology yeah. thing, and yeah. getting a shrink and yeah. figuring out what you know it takes you a long time to figure out exactly what a shrink is, sure. and how they can help you and. And and, because there's so many, you know, different types. I used to
0: do a bit about going to a shrink uh, when you're older. You should basically just walk in and go, look, I know there's a lot of things we're not going to unfuck. Right. But I got some problems I think we can work on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My my thing was, um, look, I'm really good at manipulating and good luck. Yeah. (laughs) I'm gonna work around you.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna dance. I knuckles. will
1: figure out how to make you happy and get me more miserable by the time this is <laughs> over. <laughs> and they're like, "Great, yeah, and I'll did, take it." But you found a good one. Yeah, for oh. many years. Yeah. Oh,
0: good. Many and many that. Years. So, and then you just started doing that, and then doing the work, and you realized the craft was in and place. I, I, and I actually,
1: to- exactly, I actually realized that my motivation goes up. is is so much more than it used to be and I'm so much more detailed in my work now than I used to be and I'm not clouded over... I'm not in the business for chasing women or all the wrong reasons, you know. I'm in it because I'm actually an artist and I have friends that are artists and they're legit and I can learn from them and be inspired by them and have have loyal relationships that last for 20, 30 years. And so now that I'm almost 60, it's like I have 30 years of like... Real art and, and real friends yeah. and real work. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. So, yeah. you know, like, you,
0: All you're giving up is that weird kind of like, just for the moment, fucking let's do yeah. it. Let's live on the
1: edge. Yeah. And then like, you know, crying to some woman for, for months. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. In some country that you don't belong in. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, interna- I was never, when I was uh, at my worst, uh, international travel frightened me.
1: No, I was uh, I was I was up for. Oh, really? Yeah, every country. Oh, that's great. Yeah.
0: Just to, and for no reason. Oh mm-hmm. man, I I get to places back when I was like uh, paranoid and uh, anxiety ridden. I get to places, I'd be like, where am I? They don't have the right cereals, you know, and it fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> but when did you like? So when did you start doing it? Like
1: with your dad or you know, traveling? Man, no, <clears throat> or no the acting? No. So what happened then was is that I just. I got, I started running lights and building sets and running sound and then- At the community theater. Yeah. yeah. so you got a handle on that shit. And then there was a big uh, flux of Cuban entertainers and artists that came into the Miami area. Yeah. You know, from Cuba. Yeah. And a family, a couple, opened a magic shop near my house. Right. And they were, like, real magicians. Like, they were a group. slide so of hand kind of stuff? Like, well, ev- just everything. They were, like, big huh. show magicians. Oh, really? And, and um, I started visiting this magic shop. I didn't have any money or anything. How but old I, were you? Uh, wow. Like, nine or ten. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like that. Very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, li- little did I know that later on in life it's not sexy and... S- you know, and, and that it's, you're going to have to stop doing it. But Magic? Yeah, the magic is my sex. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, uh, Dave, Dave Cross I, some, does some joke. I don't even know how he
0: sets it up about a magician, but I know the punchline is, uh, yeah, that is my card. Can I go now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's even, so true. You though. don't even need the setup. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. Yeah. But but so the point is this is that they brought me out of my shell. They, he taught me magic. Yeah. He taught me. He he gave me pamphlets for free so I could build my own tricks rather than buy them from him. Uh huh. Because they're just metal welded together. So, right. You know. So yeah. I, could just get, I had a neighbor that was a metal worker who, who built another well, like rings and stuff. Rings and cans and oh, yeah. things. You know, and scarves and yeah, things yeah. like that. You yeah. didn't have to buy. it. You can make all that yeah. shit. You know. Fabric, you know, right. felt. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just <laughs> felt buy- is like the cheapest material in the world. Yeah, everything's made of felt in magic, yeah. so it's like <laughs> it's a nickel. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, then I started doing magic, and I got really comfortable on stage. Oh, and I could walk out on stage and just do anything. I didn't have, I didn't even think about it. And then um, one day, you know, I got interested in girls, and I thought, mm, you know, this, this is not. This is not sexy, and and this ain't gonna work out. And yeah. and then I so I thought, what 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 can I do? I don't want to be a a thug. Yeah, you know, was that an option? That was an option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hanging around with the wrong guys. Yeah, uh huh. You know, and uh, <laughs> so I didn't want to do that because it looked it didn't look. I I would always con- you know at a very young age I always would look at myself way beyond that age. Like, yeah. What am I gonna be like when I'm like twenty? Old was yeah. like thirty. Like, right. And it never looked good. Yeah. Like for some reason, it never looked good. And I thought maybe I should be an actor because I can actually see guys that are that age and they look like they're okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They're acting. Yeah. They're acting. <laughs> yeah. And so and so, if I'm, um, one of the places that you act is on stage and if I'm comfortable on stage, maybe I should try to do it. So then without anybody, I didn't do it in high school. I didn't do it. I wasn't even like, I never talked about it or anything. Yeah. And then I moved back to New York and went to the American Stanislavski Theater Company. You, you moved to, back to Brooklyn. I moved to Brooklyn for a little while with the st- family, with the uh, very <laughs> religious and not the, the Catholic racists. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh, and then and then uh, got out of there as quickly as I could. And but I, but I was studying the whole time with this uh, company called the American Stanislavski Theater. Where'd you end up with your first place in the city? <sighs> Down on Fulton Street. Oh yeah, my sister, my best friend Steve Marshall, and I. We got a one bedroom, and then I built partitions to separate all the rooms, and we lived in there. So the American Stanislavski Institute. That's not the
0: actor studio. No, it's not. Like, uh, what? What is it like? Uh,
1: is it? Is the method pre uh, uh, actor well, studio? You're very close, actually. Yeah, very close. the The first. Ten years of Stanislavski is the method acting. Yeah, and then his actors uh, to make. I'm being very short story. Sure, here, it's all right. But the, yeah, because it's not very interesting. No, but it the, is. Okay, the, okay. the 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 Stanislavski felt that his actors were becoming too indulgent, self indulgent. Yeah, and, and um, he changed system he, he, he changed the technique and then it was called from then on it was called the, the, the Stanislavski system of acting which is a whole different deal than really but the method is the first 10 years of Stanislavski started. like
0: I never knew this and I've talked to a lot of you guys yeah, you no, actor fellas yeah that's the truth because like you know usually you know you get the Meisner people you yeah. got the actors which is all studio. good all that stuff is good you yeah. know, but like I didn't realize that uh, Stanislavski realized these these self
1: centered monsters. Yeah, they I have to talk, reel them in. Monsters, yeah. The the monsters that he thought they were are to me the best actors out there. Like who? Like Monty Cliff. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Who else? And and many 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 other. Oh, actors yeah. From actors from that generation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait They were so ahead of their time.
0: So, when, when you get to the, uh, the Stanis what is it
1: called? The Stanislavsky Institute? The American Stanislavski Theater Company. So, you're like 18, 19? Yeah, I'm 19, and I'm doing plays with them. I'm doing uh, classics with Sonia Moore, who ran the school, who was actually a student. She was 90 years old when she was teaching. She was actually a student of Stanislavsky's and wrote all the books about Stanislavsky.
0: I don't know, when, when did Stanislavsky die? I mean, what was his life? Oh, I don't know the year. Yeah. But, like, it was like before movies or what?
1: No, no. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was around that yeah. long. Yeah, you can still go visit his, his um, his uh, study and stuff in 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 Russia. Yeah, and you and you teach at that same place now. No, so I I then um, after that, I did a, a tour with them, and I and I and I acted and learned the Stanislavsky system of acting. I still, because of all my reading, wanted to learn method acting, uh-huh. and so finally. A teacher from Actor Studio, yeah, uh, took me under her wing and taught me for six years how to be a method actor. Her name is Sharon Chatton. and um, she was of the Actor Studio. I'm a lifetime member now, and of the Actor Studio. Yeah, and um, I also teach at the Strasburg Institute in New York, where yeah. we teach NYU students. And
0: which one? Which and, what do you teach? Which method? I teach the method. You teach the method, not
1: yeah. the, the Strasberg system. Yeah. yeah, but I do. I do talk. I do. Because I use it in my own work, I the use system? both. Yeah, I consciously, use, consciously use everything in my own work. Yeah,
0: but it's not like one of those things. Because right? like I talk to actors, I try to isolate things. I try to basically get myself a, a an acting education because yeah. I'm because I'm doing a little acting now. And uh, you know, like I've talked to people about it, and a lot of times it's a little vague in terms of like, well, you do, you know, you do that. You take some of this, you take some of that, and you mash it together. But the way you're talking,
1: there there are tools you apply every time. There are tools that I apply every time. Consciously? Consciously. Huh. And they would be very helpful for you. What are they? Especially for you. Okay. Are you going to tell me? Well, I'm not going to make the podcast about that. No, I'm not going to make it about that. A couple pointers. Yes, I can tell you. And and then we're going to to talk. That you speak not from your head, but from your stomach and your heart only. You never speak from your head. Oh, so anything that's going on in your nervous system yeah. right now yeah. this second yeah. whatever you're feeling right try and speak words only through that so and the, and however it comes out yeah let the words just fall out of your mouth and however it comes out I feel like I'd be crying a lot well, well but but that you you'll, you'll cry until you don't cry anymore and then and then you'll be fine <laughs> 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 We're talking 55 years of tears Dude that's okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> I taught last night until one o'clock in the morning. In New York? Here. Oh. My teacher, my mentor, Sharon Chatton, who I was telling you about, she now teaches here. Uh huh. And so when I'm in town, I take over. I've taught three classes since I've been here for the last week. And were they four hour jam sessions? One is the Saturday, one is three hours, and the rest just go on until everybody dies. Yeah? Yeah. Everyone dies from crying yeah. and feeling pain. Yeah. Being self indulgent. But
0: when you apply it to like a role, well, here's my big question. Honestly speaking, just from like, you know, being on the job. Yeah. When you're in character, are you, do do you have consciousness of yourself? Of course. Okay.
1: Yeah. I don't drink like, I, I, I'm not Daniel Day-Lewis. Everybody has their thing okay. that they do. Right. And I'm not sure what he does. I only met him once very briefly. I'm not sure what he does, if that's method acting or whatever, but whatever he does, it works and it's great. It seems like a lot of work. It seems like a lot of work. Did you yeah. meet him as somebody? Did you meet Lincoln? <laughs> no, or, no, or no. Or I, shoe, I, I think I met, guy? I think I met him because <laughs> yeah. we came up at exactly the same time. and so. Um, but, and, but there are other actors out there too that... Um, uh, that do like there there are british actors that do a version of i would say is is the stanislavski system yeah. and 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 the method combined now the system is
0: different how just that
1: curiosity the system is is more physical okay. and it requires a lot of inner monologue uh huh stuff that's actually written out okay. that you're saying under dialogue or uh, while somebody else is speaking like uh, those uh the- so that you're thinking all the time when the camera's rolling uh, about
0: when the, you're what you're acting like the feelings or the motivations behind
1: and, it and triggers and, yeah. and things that have can that that don't necessarily have anything to do with the story interesting but, but help tell the story because it's the right emotion right and can you do you do you find that
0: you is it possible to be completely detached from the performance and still do a good performance yes <laughs> that's the i guess that's the craft yeah yeah, I mean, you
1: got to show up for work no matter what. Yeah. I mean, the the thing about ex- trying to explain how you work on, on a set yeah. is I only know my version of it. You would have to ask somebody who's worked with me yeah. what it looks like to them. Yeah. I have no idea. To me, it just looks like a struggle to do the part. Right. And that struggle yeah. becomes my performance. Right. That's that's all it is. Right. Yeah. So when when you're doing plays in New York, are you doing like
0: the small ones, like everything yeah. you can kind of deal? Um what back then yeah. back then yeah everything i can yeah yeah
1: and that's how you sort of and pager- i ended up on broadway in what in a in a play called open admissions which ran for a few months and then closed and that was my first like real paying job where i actually had to show up and yeah. get get a check and everything yeah 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 who was and, in it with you uh, a guy named calvin levels um, it was about street kids going to college didn't didn't run very long yeah but it was a good experience because i didn't have an agent at the time and what what happened was is I, I, you know, there's that, back in the day, there was, you know, there's, there was this paper called Backstage. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got, that's where you got your auditions from. Sure. And so I saw it. And so I put on a whole facade that, because I was from Brooklyn, I was born in Brooklyn, but I went into the audition with a Brooklyn accent and lied my way through the whole thing and I got the part. Yeah. And they cast me because they thought I was like, exactly like the part. Yeah. And and, you you still have a little Brooklyn accent. A little bit. Yeah. It comes out. Yeah, right, a little bit, yeah. So you got the part because they believed you. They totally, totally believed. you. And you me. knew you were just like applying your craft. Yes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it was it was the first experience that I got paid for actually doing something that I felt like I was in control of, that I invented, and that uh, it was and and it was helping tell a story correctly. And that and that that ultimately is the job, right? Yeah, that's ultimately the job. about the story to service the story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, you
0: know, I, I gotta, I gotta realize that. Like, that's what most people say. Yeah, it's not just about you.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can imagine it's a difficult thing because of your stand-up. That if that's where your root of entertainment comes from.
0: Well, that that's about self-consciousness, but a lot of times I'm sort of scene for scene. It sometimes it's hard for me to even you know assess the whole arc of a piece. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you're kind of working like, well, what do I do? What am I doing in this scene? So then, to sort of like you know really integrate the the full arc of the show or the movie or the show, to, you know, play or whatever, you know, I don't I don't really know how to manage that to you know knowing the end and what I'm
1: you know moving towards. Well, you probably don't read it enough for one. Yeah, I can imagine that you don't read it enough, the whole thing, the script. Enough. Yeah, you yeah. got to read the whole thing enough and not just Until your part. You... Correct. Right. Yeah, I had a feeling that you were going to be like that, and I think I'm right. And so you have to read it over and over and over again until you realize it. You realize the whole composition of the story. Yeah. And it's something that you actually have to sit down and think about. Yeah. And not pretend like you know it or not have all these wonderful ideas and choices. Let those, have them come in and take over your attention. Yeah. And then just rely on that and hope you get through it. Right. That's not... That's That's only half of it. That's only, maybe even less. (laughs) <laughs> not, not to say that you, you can't, can't get, away. get away with a great scene that way, because <laughs> yeah. you can. Sure.
0: Yeah. But, but it, it would
1: help, I think, that, like, so you integrate the story somehow. By, by Sure. You, the, to think about it as an arc is a, is a kind of good way to explain it, except that it's not really the way you should think about it. You should think about it as like a painting, like the composition of a painting. You need to know the composition of the story, the structure of yeah, the story, right. and you need to know where you help tell the story interesting and how you do yeah not just like i'm the
0: cranky guy
1: right yeah, yeah. okay yeah. i'll make that's it. called servicing the story okay and that's what our job is and that also keeps you grounded and real right you know because you know it's it, 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 there's a context. because it's not that that right da, right da, da. it's not yeah. open-ended yeah yeah you know this is the thing yeah there's yeah. no hook that's right. going to come in and grab you out and take <laughs> you away and then so, it's over so so how long do you kick around before you get the movie parts Six years, six or so years. It all happened while I was still studying and bouncing in clubs. And then I, um, I, I was a friend of mine walked by. Where was I then? How what you like in your twenties? Yeah, I was twenty-two or twenty-three, and I was working at the front door of the Hard Rock Cafe in New York. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Matthew McDean, who I knew from auditions in school. How's he doing? He's awesome. Good. Yeah, he's a great guy. And, um, him and his wife were passing by and they saw me at the front door and we talked and he said, I'm off doing this thing with Stanley Kubrick. And I'm like, wow, I guess, you know, there's, he said, you know, there's another part that they haven't cast yet. Yeah. And I don't know what it is because he doesn't let us see it, but you should go up for it. And, uh, he gave me the address to send a tape to. So my friend and I, Steve, we went to, I was doing a play at the time, um, and we went to a stoop on Tenth Avenue, Twenty Fourth Street, and we rented one of these cam. You know, the cameras are like huge back then. Yeah. And had a deck. Yeah. Oh, right, the video cameras. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, huge. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, the size bigger than your computer. Right. You know? Yeah. And and uh, so we rented all that, and I put on on beta like three like three or four takes. I just yeah. did three four monologues in a row, and I the tape was huge. And what were the monologues? That from the play that oh, I really? was doing, yeah. Oh, okay. And then um, I sent it to Stanley Kubrick. Wow. Yeah. And then it he, well, and then how I, long- I got the part. Yeah. yeah. It, just on that he, one tape. He called me. Yeah. And he said, "Okay, I'm going to send you some words, and I want you to put it on tape." And I'm like, "Well, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to rent these cameras and stuff like that. Oh, I'll send you, I'll send you some money too." And so, <laughs> so they. You know, he, he much like you and the guitars. Exactly. Like, Thanks, hanley you know, maybe, maybe you could buy me the camera. It'd be a lot easier if you just bought me. I could if This was not working out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm getting good at this. Yeah. Um. And so I sent him. He just sent me words without punctuation or anything, and just said, "Do it. Do just show it. Do it. Do it." And I and I did it. And um, he said, "Okay, we're going to bring you out." Wow. Yeah. So the words were
0: just, what, were they pieces of the monologue? Of they the- were
1: pieces and fragments of things that sort of ended up in the movie and then most didn't.
0: And how much of the character did you put in place? What,
1: what You had no conception of what you were even auditioning for. So what were you putting out there? To, I sussed out that he was a weak-minded individual. Mm. And, um, he, and, and, and he, he told me um, without in with no detail and in a kind of roundabout way I, it was like a puzzle i had to put together with what he was saying to me but he said that the guy is weak-minded he is um he is oh, he has to be overweight you have to you're going to have to put on weight and and um uh he's struggling uh because it's an environment that he really shouldn't be in Ugh. yeah just hearing that make me the marine corps right it's horrible. Yeah. It's, well, that, that the the role was so painful yeah like, the snapping of poor leonard yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and so by the time i sent him the the uh, was ready to do the second take and he had sent me the information and stuff knowing that he was yeah given me that information i put on probably like five or six pounds you know and i did it without my shirt on so i could show him that i gained a little weight yeah and uh did it did another one on the same stoop same thing yeah and then uh, that's when he that's when he hired me and then I went out there, and he he, he said before I keep, before you come out here, you know that you have to gain a bunch of weight. You have to probably gain like twenty or thirty pounds. Oh my god! And I'm like, okay, and 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 so and De Niro had already had done it for Raging, Raging Bull, Bull yeah. yeah. And so I said, well, I can do that. De Niro can do it. I can do it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, so I went out there and I gained the pounds, but then I just looked like I could kick everybody's ass, and. I also had to learn how to march and do monkey patrol with the rifles and all that. So yeah. the weight went up to 70 something pounds. Yeah. <sighs> before I looked like weak. Yeah. Yeah. And it, was that
0: fun or horrible? No, it, to was get, not, it was not fun. To eat all that? Just terrible?
1: Some, it was not fun. Yeah. It's like, much more fun now. Yeah. Than it
0: was back then. But like, but like, what did you have to Like two months to
1: put on fucking 50 pounds? 70? I had several months. I had. Oh my God. About six months. Just eating pasta and shit? And carbs and. You know, half a loaf of bread for breakfast. And, oh, uh, and you're just feeling it fill yeah. out. Yeah. And then, you know, you're not, you're, you know, your romantic yeah. life goes to shit. Like <laughs> everything goes to shit. Uh, but people look a, at you differently. You don't get, you know. It serves the character, though. People think you're stupid. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so really it unbelievable. What the, what the judgment people have
0: of fat people. Yeah. And working with Kubrick, was it like, was it amazing? It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Being out there with all that stuff. Because that movie, like even like, when, okay, when you talk about story, like, you know, what was the story? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, with that role, I have to assume you're like, well, this guy's story is what I got to focus on. Right. There's like two sections and that's not that. yeah. this guy's story. And, and, and Matthew Joker's Matthew, uh, jo- Joker, Matthew's character is, is the point of view of that guy's story. and, and, so yeah, it was about yeah him him transcending into uh the the Marine Corps training backfired and just instead of making a a lean green fighting machine they just made a fighting machine yeah a monster yeah
0: and uh was it easier to, like it must have been good to have your friend there like to work with him yeah like it must have like because that's what, was that like your like, that was your first big movie right my
1: first movie yeah. And it was just I, I can't. And you were t- shooting it out overseas. Yeah, I was there for thirteen months.
0: Thirteen months. Yeah. And what what are your recollections of Kubrick? What impressed you? What do you take away as a director now that you're directing? I mean, what you know, what did you see him do? It's
1: like it, you 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 can't like you it, once you've worked with him, it's difficult to move a camera, um, in unless it's unless it's. Supposed helping tell the story again yeah like just it's not just the moving uh moved not you don't move the camera for the sake of moving it it's hard be, it's it's almost like it's embarrassing he like makes you feel that way like he he puts this feeling of cinema and acting in cinema this feeling of it in you where you know look don't be pathetic you know don't be a dick yeah. you know just do it right it's all you have to do don't showboat just fucking do it you know, it's like, that. he makes you feel bad about even having <laughs> the notion he, you know, of, of showboating a little bit. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, he so, knows when you're doing so it? anytime I would see the scene, the I, and I would think, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if like, we? And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't want to do that. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. It's pretentious. Right. So I, you know, so the, the, the camera only moves to help tell the story. That's, that's what I remember mostly. And it's kind of, built in me i didn't even know this until recently that it was i know that my acting is very much my film acting is very much because of the way that he directed me yeah and but and
0: he did he help you construct the character did he no. like no he no. wants doesn't, you doesn't talk
1: about story doesn't talk about character doesn't talk about anything He just tells you to stand over there no he just says what are you going to do oh really? yeah and <laughs> then you do it and then you do it again and he said you guys have to do it faster than that or better than that. And it's like, um, can you think of anything more interesting than that to do? He'll say things like yeah. that. And uh, so Matthew and I would go away and we'd come back with a scene and he'd go, okay, I'm gonna put a camera here, put a camera here. Instead of going over there, walk over there because that's where the light's gonna come from and we'll shoot. Wow. Yeah.
0: And that, now, do you still find you know this many years later that that's what, what people know you from?
1: Yeah, a lot I, of people know me yeah. from that, yeah.
0: And, and then the other people from the- Especially
1: uh, Marines. Oh yeah, yeah. Do they love that movie? Yeah, uh, because I think they show it in the Marine Corps. Really? Yeah. As, as what? As, as an example? As like a bell, warning bell. <laughs> <laughs> I think. No, that it's it's um it's the one thing that that lifers, you know, military lifers and law enforcement lifers. It's it's a movie that that's very big with them. Because
0: they see it as something that, you know, as a cautionary tale, but also uh, an example of the discipline
1: necessary to do the job. Exactly. Because they always say to me that it's the most uh, life, like real version of of Paris Island that they've ever seen.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that that guy just passed away right there. Lee, yeah. Yeah. He was something. He was a trip. So, So that starts the whole role for you. The like the role of I haven't work. stopped working since I know it's crazy how many like when I look at how many
1: movies you've done, do you just like how do you decide what to do? I you, just do it. You do well. I mean, it's like if it if it's something that I haven't done before, I'll do it. You know.
0: But like there was some like do you find like like Mystic Pizza that broke who was in that that was was that Julie, Julie Roberts, Roberts Lily Taylor it was a big movie for that generation for your yeah. generation of people and you yeah. were part of that cast and yeah. now we're. At that time, in, in the sense of your career, th- did you have a, a a thing you wanted? Did you want to be a movie star? Did you want to have the track? Well,
1: I knew that they were making a lot of those brat pack films. Yeah, and they they were cool, I guess. But yeah. it wasn't. That's you know that's not what I wanted to do at the time. Yeah. And I, I think about that often actually. I think that I might have been um, I might have missed out on having some fun. Yeah. You know, because you were serious because i was too serious
0: do you look at that in, through the in, uh, through the lens of of maybe your your mental issues at
1: this point my it it could have been i think it was yeah i think it was this kind of yeah this kind of feeling of i i have to be this other kind of person i the, can't be that kind of person the romanticization of the troubled artist yeah uh huh yeah and so i was uh so so that mystic pizza was like a big decision for me because i i thought okay if i'm going to do this yeah I'm going to have to figure out a way to incorporate the way I approach a character and how what I think of acting into this little romantic comedy, which I just heard, the uh, literally, I just heard the, the phrase rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. You I just I, heard it? I've never heard of that before. I, yeah, one I of the student, that. one of the people in class said it last night, and I said, well, what's a rom-com? And they, <laughs> they actually told me. <laughs> I have no idea what a rom com was. Just an abbreviation. Yeah, Just, but I'm not big on. Um,
0: well, I think rom, that rom coms. No, I get it, yeah. but I think, but I think it's also apparent that you know because your your presence and your talent is so specifically yours, and you bring a lot to a lot of emotional and psychological life to like even the most you know mundane parts. Yeah, that like that, I, I imagine at some level that might have been a hindrance. Yeah. That like you know that you were sort of like well you're going to do independent movies because you that's how you're that's that's what you're cut from that you know you're hired to be like you know that guy yeah yourself they they're not going to
1: you know you're not the lighthearted goofball no <laughs> and it's not going to happen no uh and and you know we um we tried you know um, we tri- you know, tried um I've tried yeah and and had really good. Time like which but, like Harold Ramis brought me in to do um, uh, Stuart small oh yeah, yeah 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 the Franken's movie yeah Franken's yeah. film yeah, yeah I played his brother in that oh right, and, right. The, yeah, yeah, in yeah. The two, and the two of them taught me some remember, stuff yeah yeah Harold was like a, amazing guy I forgot you were in yes exactly yeah and so that was like that was like way way far from anything I'd ever done like way way far and I think Harold just enjoyed the fact that I was like a Martian on his set you know and they but I listened to everything they told me yeah know? yeah well, I mean, you've played killers, you've played
0: cops, you've played, you know. I, I mean, it, what do you think it is like when you when you have to do something lighthearted or something simple or, or something that the you know the the story is really about just being funny?
1: I mean, it it, it must feel incredibly limiting on some level. Um, yeah, I, it doesn't feel limiting. It feels foreign. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. but not limiting. I mean, I can, I understand the idea of, uh, I riff myself. I just don't riff in funny ways. I riff in other ways. I I like the idea of, of, um, experiments and I like the idea of being spontaneous. I like the idea of timing and, and the way to how to make things land. And I like all that, all that stuff really interests me a, a lot.
0: Actually. Yeah, well, I mean, the two records that I listened to, I had one on vinyl. I went, went looking for it the other day because I have a lot of vinyl, and I had I had gotten it at some point, but I couldn't find it yesterday. The spoken word records, the yeah. uh, the uh, Slim Bonehead, Slim Bonehead Volt stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that like is that what you mean by riffing? Is sort of moving through words and and movement subconsciously and, 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 and yeah, and
1: yeah, with I, some music, kind yeah. of the beatnik tradition. Yeah, well, the words the words come first. Yeah. And then the music is composed by Dana Lynn afterwards. Yeah, she seems like sort of a genius. She is a genius, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, the musical geniuses. <laughs> yeah, she's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, Dana's a, you know, she plays, name the instrument. Yeah. And, and she's a composer. You know, she's like the real deal. Is she like a
0: savant music? Kind of like she just can play anything and uh, just has it. A... Pr- pretty much. It, so... She
1: writes okay. I wish She writes and composes music um, in such a, a, a an enormous amount of it especially cuz I'm delivering her stuff constantly cuz I write these things kind of stream of consciousness yeah. so I, you know I just wrote one about a frog the other day and yeah. and you know it's like she's already written composed something you for just it. send them over just, saying, yeah what do you think, yeah. just I, think I don't it. even say what do you think she's probably she just it, sends something back to me cuz she says I'm pissing myself laughing it's probably fun for her
0: yeah but it, it does seem like like you know, like with um The Player, which is another of my I love that movie, you got to work with Altman, but also with the Abby Hoffman movie, which you did with Janine. I yeah. mean these characters are, are, you know, sort of like, you know, raging characters. Yeah. Yeah, and you do you find that uh yeah,
1: how is your anger situation? Um my anger situation in the last ten years is really, really I, I don't think I'm angry anymore.
0: It goes away, right? It's something about yeah. age, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't
1: think I'm angry. It anymore. becomes like this weird phantom limb. Yeah. Like,
0: you know, you have, still have the trigger reactions, where you're yeah. like, God damn it! And you're like, no, I don't need to.
1: I actually okay. embarrass myself of how sweet I actually am right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I actually find it embarrassing sometimes. Really? Yeah, I find it like, oh fuck! I sound like such a sweetie pie yeah. guy, you know. So to see, but still- I actually am like, it's my first thought these days is to be sweet rather than to be isn't that funny? provocative? Well, that, well, that's funny because that that you're 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 disappointing your former self,
0: which still resides inside of you. Yeah. And the struggle is, it's like, just shut up, just shut up. I'm being
1: nice now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it happens
0: naturally eventually.
1: Yeah. Or, or, or the or the old side of me is still there and speaks up every once in a while, like, why are you acting like such a dick? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're such a dick. This the, is not you. Well, when you're being this nice? Not, yeah, when I'm being nice. This is not you. <laughs> why would you say that? That's not you. Come on. Being civilized. Yeah. Yeah. Being nice.
0: Since when? Yeah. You have to do it on purpose. Yeah. Exactly. You, you exactly.
1: were out to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I was at my worst when I was doing uh, Law and Order. Really? In terms of the, yeah. that was the end of the anger? Those were the death throes? Uh, the anger of- ended by that. I, I think that there was a, there was, I, I, there was people on that show, not actors, but yeah. people who ran that show yeah. that, that taught me my, the extent the 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 end of my anger, like I took it all the way at them, at, at them, yeah. Oh, so you were a problem. Well, according to them,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how did that manifest itself? What were the issues?
1: I was, I was, we were, they, 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 we were exhausted. Oh. We were exhausted, and I was, I. And I had this. Can um, okay, you churn those out? I mean, you did like 150 of the fucking things. Yeah, and 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 we we worked you know 18 hours a day. Yeah, every day Ugh. with with Saturday off. You know, with sun, sorry with Sunday off because so you, get you work Friday, you work until the morning, and you're and then, for three months, four months, ten months. It's 22 episodes a year, and it's formulaic to a degree. To completely a degree, like the degree of formulaic. Like the number <laughs> so one. So you're degree. like you're like in hell. You're you're like in hell. Yeah. The first it's no, not the whole time. The whole yeah. time, the first few years is you get to develop this character that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah. And that's fun. Yeah. And then all this other shit happens yeah. and they start writing to the stuff that you've invented and suddenly it's not that interesting anymore because they're writing to it and their writing isn't as good as it doesn't feel as good as inventing it. Right, right, right. So they so, but then, then the fifth year kicks in, and then the sixth year, and yeah. they you know, and you can't get woof, out. My God! And you're so you're happy to be out, and it's your own fault.
0: Yeah, for are, being there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, a job's a job, and a you got health job, coverage, yeah. you got kids. You know yeah. what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah exactly. that's a, You know, that you're grown up now. So that, because working with Kubrick and working with Altman are, are big deals, I would imagine. And Ramus. I mean, I'm not going to you know, belittle anybody, but obviously as a film head that, you know, yeah. for me, like the player, a lot of people think it's different than his other movies. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. And uh, how did he
1: work? You know, what did you learn from him? He Eddie? was uh, totally open. He loved actors. Yeah. He loved actors coming up with ideas. He was a very honest director. Like if you came up with something... Like the whole thing about my character dying in the water, like drowning in like this much water, like that was something that I came up with. And on the night, we were all worried whether it was gonna work a lot, including myself. And then once we saw that it it worked, he's like, that will never be your idea again. It just became his? (laughs) It just became his (laughs) idea. And I loved that. I was like, you got it, dude. Whatever you say. You know, Altman was totally open. You know, he'd walk around with half a joint in his pocket. He, He would just, most of the scenes were shot on, a, on a, a baby jib, which yeah. is like a small little weighted crane with the yeah. camera on one side and weights on the other, and they would put it on the track. You'd have like five guys, because uh, back then it was cable, it was yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You'd have five guys reeling up cable, and the actors could go anywhere they want. They could walk over the track, do anything, and all you see is these guys with cable running <laughs> back and forth, keeping the cable <laughs> yeah. out of the shot, and uh, you just did it. So
0: there's a naturalism to it. Yeah, which totally. Totally. Because that seemed like a, a pretty tightly scripted movie for some of his more lyrical things right. compared to it. So, but he still employed all that stuff totally. Yeah, and it, but he and he did give uh, Fred Ward that, that weird that, that amazing tracking shot at the beginning. Yeah, it took ten minutes. Yeah. So I I watched the whole movie. This is now
1: the kid. Is this the first feature you directed? The first um, real feature. I've done a couple of experiences. I shot a film in my backyard in upstate New York, um, a musical horror. Yeah. Yeah. And we shot it in like five days, and Does it have a, everybody sings and everybody dies. Yeah, yeah.
0: Does it have a cult following? I guess so. Yeah, it's, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty weird. <laughs> the music is awesome. <laughs> but uh, why, why? I guess my question is, you know, outside of the fact that you were just in the Magnificent Seven, you know, what
1: is it about the Western that that made you want to make a Western? Just because they're cool movies, yeah. you know. I, I've always liked the good ones, and always thought that I wanted to make one, and I wrote one a long time ago. That got kind of caught up in in lawyer stuff, and and is now just not be, not able to be made. And so and so I and, and then I started to start to think about coming of age stories, and and then I one night I just said, you know, I got a, I just thought of a great idea to put a kid, a fictional character, yeah. in between the the factual character, you know, the the um in the, the story of Pat Garrett, and, Pat Billy Garrett the kid. and Billy the kid.
0: So that story tracks historically, yes. That that and and it, so you took that story, you know the sort of mythologizing ability kid, the reality ability kid, this weird relationship between Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Pat Garrett played by Ethan Hawke, and you thought like, well, I'm going to stick a kid in there somehow, yeah, to uh, have a rites of passage movie, exactly, and learn from two different men,
1: yeah, yeah. huh? And you you came up with the story, yes, and you, uh, you and I and I found a writer that I thought that was that was the right guy to ride it, this guy Andrew Lanham, who and him and I get along fantastically. And so he came I was shooting the judge at the time with Downies. And uh, he came to Boston and stayed in the hotel that I was in, and um, he would write, and then he would deliver pages, and then we'd go in the room, and we'd write out structure, and write out the whole thing. And oh you know, wow, so, yeah. But so, I, I mean, Andrew wrote the screenplay, but the story is yeah. is mine. Yeah. But, so know, it was Andrew, that could f- have done as good a job as Andrew did.
0: Though. But was that Great. the first time you were involved in that process? Mm. Yeah, in writing it uh, outside. No, of your-
1: I had done it with friends for the the uh, the thing I did in my backyard upstate, but but it, but like we had we i knew what it was like to bounce stuff off of people and right yeah and what were the challenges like
0: so like this is like you got a little money here this isn't a backyard event you know you got a crew
1: you you, know, you your, have 20 days to shoot a full out western with stage coaches and gunfights 20 fights days and major dramatic scenes and well you got some power actors in there yeah you would think that you know it would be no, I thought they were- fall I, out of bed and just do it, but no, no, I knew it. <laughs> no, okay. I I, like, but like, there was, I you got hard. some
0: beautiful performances out of people. Yeah,
1: man, because they're great. They're yeah. great actors. And yeah.
0: you, you and Ethan are friends for years. Mm-hmm. You've done other work together. Yes, and and that kid, he seems to be a, some sort of like wizard or, or natural. Yeah, he's that, a natural. Yeah, Dane DeHaan. He's the first.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dane is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do do you like when you're working with a guy like that? Do you relate? I mean, can totally. You know, he knows. You yeah. know, we both know what we're doing. We're peers and there's no secrets. Uh-huh. You know, it's like we, we, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I just respect the hell out of him. You know what I mean? It's like... He, he I can see moment to moment his performance. I can see where when it's coming, when it's not. I yeah. can see the whole thing, and I just respect the hell out of it. And I can walk up to him in the middle of a take or say something to him in yeah. the middle of a take or after a take, say, just whisper a couple of things in his ear, and then he'll bring this whole other thing. You know, yeah. um, These guys are uh, amazing what they do. Well, I, mean, I,
0: I didn't even know it was Chris Pratt. Yeah.
1: I for mean like half the movie, Chris was doing another show at the time, and and he came in for five days. You know, yeah, but like it was like he went to like
0: that that sort of eternal dark place of uh, completely morally corrupt p- characters. Yeah, like there's some people that can tap into that. Yeah, and he did it, and I was sort of
1: like, yeah. "Whoa, good job, yeah, <laughs> good job." Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. Ethan's like very controlled, but you know, solid. But Ethan and, had to play back Pat, Pat Garrett. I there, you know, he had to do it. I kind of used our friendship. Because there was nobody in my mind. I've always wa- he knew that I've always wanted him to play Pat Garrett. Yeah. Because I actually think he is like um, the spirit of Chris Christopherson. Like oh. I, you know, I really think that it, it, it's like Ethan has that kind of quality in real life. Yeah. I've, uh, t- I've
0: talked to him. Yeah he told me like, as an actor, he told me one of the greatest things. Cause I watch him differently now. Cause he said when he was, um, and he's also like a very intellectually curious guy. Yeah. He, he likes to engage and do stuff. Yeah. Uh, art, totally. Right. Yeah. 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 But he said that when he was, uh, when he got the role in training day, like he knew that his obstacle was going to be not to be eaten alive by Denzel. Yeah. So he watched Denzel movies like football players watch, you know, training films yeah. of the other team. Yeah. So he could figure out a way to not, you know, to hold his own with that guy. Yeah. So now when I watch him in scenes, like I'm wondering, you know, you know, not that he's gonna overact, but you know, like how he's gonna step up. Like even in the shootout in your movie, yeah. I knew there was a moment there where like like it looked like well Chris Chris Pratt's gonna eat his lunch. Yeah. And then he just
1: fills up somehow. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? And if
1: you give him um one piece, just one piece of good dialogue. Yeah he will, he, it will spawn pages and pages of dialogue. Yeah. Like you just, he appreciates words so much. Ethan, yeah. That you just have to give him, if you can put together somehow two sentences yeah. of really good words, yeah. he's inspired for weeks. That's great. Well, I mean,
0: I think you did a beautiful job. Thanks. And you know, I, I got to run you out of here because you got to do a phoner. Oh, okay. And, uh, okay. But it, you feel good? I feel good. It's great talking yes. to you. It was great to finally talk to you. All yes. right, man. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. That was nice. He's though, right? The Kid, his new movie, Vincent's new movie, starring Ethan Hawke, Dane DeHaan, and Chris Pratt, is playing in select theaters. Also, look for all those tour dates. A lot of tour dates added. I got to be coming close to you. WTFPod.com slash tour. Boomer lives!